0: Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. We believe that we've set next Sunday aside as a healing Sunday. We want to push in for healing in this time. Because if you ask me, what did Jesus do? A while ago, everybody was wearing little bands that said, what would Jesus do? And if you really ask him, what did he do? One of the things he did most of all is he healed people. So before you want to act like Jesus, all holy and spiritual, and do what he really did is he healed people. So if you want to ask what did Jesus do, we can expand a lot on what he did. But one of the things he definitely did was healing people, was praying for the sick, was caring for those that are in affliction and bringing them to freedom. So that is what we have to do as a church and as an individual. So in preparation for next week, I want to teach on healings that Jesus did so that our faith can be stirred as a church. Because this is not a one-man show. This is not me coming to deliver something to spectators. I want the whole church to be in a state of faith for the next seven days. I want us to truly every day see, read about one miracle that Jesus did. Read about one place where Jesus prayed for the sick, so that we can get it in our hearts, and by next Sunday we're all operating in a place of faith. Can I ask that of the church? That we really push in for faith this week. Make understanding how did Jesus pray for people our main concern for this week. On Wednesday night, we're going to have our Remnant Rising prayer meeting. If you missed it in the announcements, then I'm going to declare it Wednesday night. Yeah, we are going to be praying for Sunday. Because we are believing God to do something specifically for people that have been ill for a long time with something. I want to say something prophetically that again might offend some people. COVID isn't over. The last two days have been the highest rate of infections in the world of any other two days ever. Okay? COVID, we have a respite. God has given us a respite. But I can declare both on practical as well as on prophetic level that there is another wave coming, and we have to prepare ourselves. And there's two ways that we have to prepare ourselves. In the natural, you have to increase your immunity. You have to um, manage your social distancing. You have to manage your hygiene more than ever. Do not relax it in the natural in the spiritual you also have to get faith in your heart to a level that is greater than ever nobody can explain why did on roughly the 16th of july south africa's COVID infections and deaths just turned around there is no scientific reason for it to do it except that god is giving our country a respite except that God is giving us a chance to prepare ourselves spiritually and the church's job is to declare faith at this time we have to we have to be in a place to face the oncoming onslaught in a way of faith i'm not here to preach fear i'm here to preach faith to you and to declare that you have to get yourself into a process of faith because you're going to have to be asked to lay hands upon the sick. You're going to have to be the ones who can declare faith in the midst of a time of difficulty. Get ready, church. Fill your hearts with faith. Fill your whole being with faith. This plague will not come near you. You need to make that decision today and say, I am not going to be affected by it. Yes, we were positive. Yes, COVID has come to many in our church. But we have come through and we are busy coming through. But today, this next seven days, we are going to focus on healing so that we can stand up against whatever Satan is coming against us. We are going to focus on healing in every aspect, specifically chronic illnesses. Specifically things That the doctors have told you that you will never be free of. We're not just here to pray for a headache or a sore knee or something like that. We are here to break the power of chronic illnesses in this area. Did Jesus do half healings? Did Jesus do sort of healings? What did he do? Complete healings. Some did take some time. They will... Speak more about that next week. But he spoke to people, and they got healed. Let's go look at the Bible. Matthew 5. Just know you guys don't believe me. Matthew 5 and verse 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Next verse. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd. There's some pushing through needed. It's not always going to just fall in your lap. And threw himself down at his feet. There's some worshiping needed. There's some falling at the feet of Jesus. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. So it's somebody who knew all the rules and regulations. It was somebody who led other people. Just then... So he pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, pleaded over and over, didn't just ask once, please come with me, my little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. One of the most desperate cries in the Bible, there's a couple of mosts in this section, a dad crying for his 12-year-old daughter at the point of death. Are you as desperate as that to see healing? You see, there's something about a parent when they're praying for a sick child. Parents, do you agree with me? Is it devastating if your child is ill? It doesn't matter what age they are. But when they are at the point of death, then you just have to raise up another way of prayer. Another way of pushing in. For us as parents, I'll tell you, one Sunday afternoon after church, we were sitting in Nisner. Amber was about this size. And she had a fever. And uh, we came back from church and mother-in-law said, but she's got worse while you were in church. And we sat there. And suddenly, while we were all sitting around the table, she turned blue and she stopped breathing from the fever. And we tried CPR, but it's uncomfortable on a child. We jumped in my friend's car. It parked my car in. I said, let me take your car, please. And we rushed with his car to the hospital. Praise God, our own doctor was in the reception of the hospital at that moment. And he took her from her, and he revived her. But that time, we were two kilometers away from the hospital. But that two kilometers felt like a thousand kilometers Every minute that she's not breathing was another extreme moment of tears and of pushing in for us as parents. And here's this dad, his child is on the edge of death. And instead of doing something to his daughter, he's running to go look for Jesus. He's running to go look because he knows the answer is in Jesus. Unfortunately, in today's world... When we face trouble, we run away from Jesus. We don't want to see Jesus. Like Jared said when he did the altar call, some people, when they see Jesus, they feel guilty and they feel ashamed. They're not running to him with their problem. They're not pushing in to get closer to him when there is trouble. Church of God, this is the first step we have to know. We have to run to Jesus in the time of crisis, even and especially at times of death, at times of life and death. So he pleaded to Jesus, come with me, my little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her, and heal her, and she will live. Man, that is such, goes from desperation to absolute faith. Because all I need is for you to lay your hands upon her, then she'll be okay. That's all I need. Is I need a touch from God, then everything will be fine. I need God to intervene more than what I need to do something in the natural. So you can say that that is such a desperate call about his 12-year-old daughter. And then it's such a step statement of faith. Goes from desperation to faith. And that's what the presence of Jesus does. It allows us to go from that place of desperation to that place of faith. Oh. Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on all the sides. Now in the crowd, there was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. So she has suffered as long as what this little girl has been alive. God is saying there's some people that have been suffering all of their life with something. There are some people that have accepted a certain situation because they've done everything they can, and you have suffered horribly. But God is saying, I have a plan. I have an answer. Something is going to change. Don't let your circumstances and your experiences be your Bible. Believe more in what Jesus said than what you have experienced. I don't care how many times people have prayed for you. I don't care how many times you have believed that this is my day of healing, and it wasn't. Don't allow those experiences to formulate your faith. Make a choice decision, as you sit here today, that the Bible is your ultimate place of faith. The Word of God is what you're going to put faith in. You're not gonna put faith in your experiences. You're not gonna put faith in what the doctors have said. Let's read on. She has endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. Yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she wasn't getting better, but worse. I believe that we are sitting here and there will even be in the next seven days many more people that have been for all kinds of treatments, that have been in a place of really believing in the doctors to solve them. But when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd. What did Jairus do just now? He pushed through to get to Jesus. And this woman, what is she doing? She's pushing through to get to Jesus. There's some pushing through. It's a principle that we need to understand. It doesn't just come by itself. You need to push through. You need to push in. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, If only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. Just like Jairus has said, I know that if he can come to my house and lay his hands on my daughter, she will be well. This lady had another revelation. If only I can touch his clothes, I will be well. You can work out your own point of faith. But you need to have a point of faith. If I can get there, if I can do this, if this can happen, then I'll see breakthrough. Every That was two totally different points of faith but they both believed that if Jesus could pray for her then she would be better then they would things would change if only i could touch his clothes i know i will be healed and as soon as her hand touched him her bleeding immediately stopped and she knew it for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease this is what I'm believing God for. Will you believe with God for me that that people will have that experience right here in this place? That they are going to say, I know I had a touch from God. I know things have shifted. I know that what has been the status quo for 12 years have stopped. That there's an experience attached to the prayer of Jesus. That there is a place where you're saying, I know I felt something. I'm mature enough to know we can't go on feelings. And if you feel it or not, the healing isn't based upon what you feel. But I do want people to experience it. I still want people to feel that God has done something. I still want people to say, I've walked in there, and I know that something changed. I know that something changed. That is what I'm believing for for next Sunday. That is what I'm believing for in the next seven days. That there will be testimony after testimony of people saying, I came like this, and I experienced the power of God touching me. And I walked away differently. And I walked away differently. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him. For he felt the power that always surged around him. Can I teach those that are going to pray for people something? You have to learn how to experience the fact that power is flowing through you. Why has it gone so quiet? That when you pray for somebody, you've got to know when God is doing something. You've got to, as somebody who's praying for people, and again, we don't base our experiences and our faith on experiences. But that doesn't exclude experience. It mustn't exclude experience. I'm not going to be the only one who's praying for people. I believe doors are going to open in places where you are in the next week and in the next months to come, you're going to have to pray for people that are ill. And this is the time that God says, I am imparting into you something that will, you will apply over the next weeks. And this is what this series is about we will do it over a 3 week period okay where we're going to push in saying what is jesus saying about healing what is it and jesus obviously had his power on him all the time that's what the bible says the power that was around him all the time and he felt it surge for someone to be healed and he turned and spoke to the crowd and saying who touched my clothes And the other people couldn't understand it. We spoke last night about how some of the things of God you can't understand. And the disciple says to Jesus, but there's so many people around you. How do you mean somebody touched you? Everybody's touching you. How do you mean somebody did? But the woman immediately knew that it was her. Verse 33, when the woman who experienced this miracle realized what was happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet. What did Jairus do? He threw himself down at the feet of Jesus. What did this woman do? She threw herself down at the feet of Jesus, trembling with fear. You know what? The church of God has lost the respect for the presence of Jesus. The church of God come into the Presence of Jesus, blase, thinking about Sunday lunch and thinking about tomorrow's work and last night's braai and what have you. And we have to come into a place where we have respect for the presence of God. Where we're not scared of falling on our face because we recognize who and what is available to us. We understand that although Jesus is our brother, he's still King of Kings. He's still Lord of Lords. And sometimes we need to come into His presence with such an expectation that we have a little bit of fear, a bit of trembling, a bit of saying anticipation of God doing something. Church would never, ever, ever become familiar with the presence of Jesus. Never make it out that it's so much just something that you walk around and you use it when you need it. Be in a place of absolute respect. For the presence of Jesus. Being in a place where you say, I know who you are and I know what you can do. When we understand what he can do, we'll automatically have respect for the presence. And she told him her story of what had just happened. And Jesus said to her, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Who's daring to believe in this place? Who's daring to say, I'm believing God for something? And he said, be free from your suffering. Church, it's time for you to be free from your suffering. It's time to be free from your suffering. Hear it in your hearts. Don't hear it with your ears. But hear it in your hearts. It's time to be free from your suffering. Too long we've made the suffering our friend. Too long. We always want a story to tell. And if we're not suffering, we don't have a story to tell. So we embrace our suffering. Time to be free, church. Time to be free. Oh. And before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus' house. And pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. And he has one of the most horrible sentences in the Bible. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. Some people think it's beyond repair. Some people think it's too late. Jesus took too long. It's over for you. There's no more hope. And they come with a message that you have believed. Don't trouble Jesus anymore because it's not just who I am. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. There's no hope for my child. Don't trouble Jesus anymore because you've tried before. What does Jesus say after that statement? Listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, Don't yield to fear. Again, (laughs) it goes from this absolute horrible statement that it's too late, it's over, it's done. There's no plan anymore. There's no way out. And Jesus says, don't you yield to fear. Church, can I speak to fear and say, don't yield to fear any longer? Can I say, fear, you have no place in this house. You have no place in this church. There is no thing that we are scared of. Because we know the presence of Jesus. Because we know what Jesus has said. We can say that there's no, we will not yield to fear. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and his two brothers, Jacob and John. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the little girl is not dead, but merely asleep? Then everyone began to ridicule him and make fun of him. But he threw them all outside. <laughs> if you wanted to step out in this area of faith, you might have to re- endure some ridicule. You might have to endure some people laughing at you. Some people saying, no man, who do you think you are? But you are a child of God. And you have the authority that Jesus has. Are you willing to endure a little bit of ridicule to see somebody come free? Are you willing to be the town jester or the town clown? And everybody laughs at who you are. But maybe one person comes free. Maybe one person's suffering can end. Maybe one person's whole life can be changed. Because when God touches one person of a family who is at the edge of death, I'm telling you that whole family is an uproar. That whole family's life has changed. The future of that whole family is different. Because if you see the power of God in operation, whatever argument you have about who Jesus is, is out of the door. It's not about winning debates. It is about showing the power of God. Because if we can show the power of God, all the arguments are out the window. I don't want to win an argument about faith healing. I want to show people who Jesus is. I want people to experience him the way that that lady did when she came and she pushed and said, I can just touch your garment. I can just touch your prayer shawl. I know that it's going to change. I know that it's going to change. And I want to declare that these weeks now is your moment of change. This is your moment of shifting into another level of faith. Are you going to be the one who ridicules? Or are you going to be the one who gets ridiculed? (laughs) Are you going to be the one who people laugh at? Or are you going to be the one laughing at them? Because there's no midway. But no... That God is standing ready to fulfill his word. God is waiting for somebody to stand up and saying, I know what God said. I know what Jesus declared. I know who he is and I know what he wants to do. It's time, church. It's time. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the girl was lying. And he tenderly clasped his child's hand in his and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum. It's again one of the most powerful statements. So there's just so many mosts in this scripture. It goes like pendulum this side and then pendulum that side. But when Jesus says, little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> there's no more powerful than that. When Jesus says, wake up, you cannot stay the way you are. You can't stay where you are. I'm doing something new. I'm not looking at your situation. I'm not looking at what other people see. I'm not looking at what is evident to the world. I'm saying, little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. For some of us. That is a state of mind that we're in. We're in a state of mind of death to the things of Christ. We're in a state of mind where we're living here, but Jesus is operating there. And we're ignoring the spiritual situation. We're acknowledging only the natural situation. And we are dead. The church of God is in that sleeping situation. Including frontline. It's not as if we have a chain that nobody else has. God is saying to the church of God, wake up from the sleep of death. Wake up. Wake up. I'm calling each one of you individually. And I'm asking you, wake up. Wake up from being on the edge. Wake up from watching it from the outside. You cannot be a spectator in the things of life. You have to jump in with all you have. You have to push through as if life and death depend on it, because it does. Life and death depends on your attitude over the next few weeks. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl set up. And stood to her feet. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you see a miracle like that. When you see something change that had been going on for a long time. When something that you have accepted, there's no turning around. But the God of the turnaround comes and he turns the situation upside down. He sets everything that everybody else thought is done and he does something new. Many of our lives are going to be turned upside down in the next while for a good thing, for a good way, because God is saying, Church, come alive. Church, come alive. Come out of your sleep of death. Instantly, the 12 year old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. And everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing the miracle. Are you ready to be astonished by God? Are you ready to say, Wow, I've known God all of my life, but I've never seen this? I've known God for so long, but I don't know that this is for this time. God is going to astonish us. God is going to astonish us. Jesus had them bring her something to eat. <laughs> oh, my word. Something so normal a cup of coffee and a rusk or a plate of food. Goes from the miracle that's astonishing everybody. And he says, let's look after the practical. Let's look after her in the natural. That is what God is saying with that plate of food. Yes, we have to believe for the spiritual. And yes, we have to see the miracle of her waking up. But we also have to look after the natural. And exactly like that in COVID. Be 100% spiritual and 100% natural. Be 100% in every aspect to fight this thing. We are going to fight it and we're going to stand up and declare that God is doing something. But we won't do it in a stupid fashion. We won't do it in a fashion where we don't take care of the natural. We might make a mistake here or there of letting our God down. But as a whole, we're going to stand up and say, we're going to do it the way God wants to do it. As he... Jesus had them bring her something to eat and he repeatedly cautioned them that they were to tell no one about what had happened. I want to see miracles like that. I'm trusting God for miracles from the edge of death right into walking around the room eating something and being as if they had never just come through death. As if it wasn't even happening to them as if it's irrelevant what has happened to them. I'm going to skip a little piece of my sermon for time's sake, leave it for next week. Let's turn to Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus called his 12 disciples. And this is the question we always have about healing. Is Jesus still calling people? He's still calling people. Is Jesus still sending them? Yes. It's the same message. The message: If the first two things haven't changed, then why would the rest of the sentence have changed? He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness. And all kinds of disease. What disease doesn't fall into that description? All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. What is outside of that? Nothing is outside of that. And God has called us, and he has sent us, and he has said to us all, he gave them power and, over unclean spirits, and to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness, and to heal all kinds of diseases. If you're sitting here, then you have been called like that. It's not for the special few that gets on the stage here. It's not for the elders or the pastors. It is if you are a disciple of Jesus. If it's, you are a follower of Jesus, that is for you. And you need to study it and study it and read it and declare it to yourself. Put it up on your mirror so that every morning while you put your makeup on, Yes, I hear men now also put makeup on. Whatever you do in the morning, look at that scripture. And saying, I have been given the power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. If we ever preach a service where we say it's only for the apostles or the pastors or the evangelists or prophets or whatever... And we're saying that we are changing the Word of God. The Word of God says, it is for those who follow Jesus. It is for those who have been called. It is for those who have been sent. And that includes every single one that responded to that message that Jared gave just now. When you said, I know who he is and I want to know him better. And I give my life to him. Then you're stepping into this promise. Well, then there's the name of the 12 apostles. We'll go past that for now. Um, You can study that in your own time. And Jesus said to them, don't go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven has come near. It is that there is a choice to make. Either you're under the authority of the world or you're under the authority of the kingdom of heaven. It says there, It's so close that you can choose. It is so close that you can be under whichever one you want to be. The kingdom of heaven is available to you right now. You need to make a choice if you're stepping into it or not. That is the crux of the message that we have to carry out. Choose between which kingdom you're going to be under. Under the one, Satan has absolute authority in your life and he can wipe you out and he can play with you and mess you up and you have no plan. Under the other one, Satan will still come at you. You're not precluded from Satan coming at you. But you have a savior. You have one that will stand between you and the devil. You have one that will intervene in your life. But the choice is yours under which kingdom you're going to operate. That is the message that we have to carry out. And part of that message is the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. It's an instruction, church, it's not a request. The God of heaven, Jesus Christ, gave an instruction. He said, heal the sick. Can we say we are the church of God and then not want to do it? Raise the dead. Oops, sorry Jesus, I haven't done any of those this week. Cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as what you have received. Church. Church. We have to fall on our knees and repent because we're not doing this. The church of God worldwide has to repent because we have not followed His instruction. We've made a watered-down gospel that has no power, that has no authority. That's just a nice club to belong to. And Jesus is saying... Church, start hearing what I gave the instruction to my disciples. Are you my disciple or not? Are you my follower or not? Are you the one ridiculing or are you the one being ridiculed? Are you willing to pay the price to see others come free? We hope that you enjoyed today's message.